Eternal Dirtles is a Hipsters of the Coast podcast sponsored by Paragon City Games and Bearded Dragon Games. You can support us at patreon.com slash eternal dirtles. Welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Nathan Golia and Phil Bleckman. What's up, guys? Doing pretty well. How about you guys? Doing excellent. Yeah, good, good. I uh, I got to do a little uh, pre-release action this weekend, which is a rarity for me. I tried to stay up for the midnight pre-release and instead fell asleep. Oh, that sounds... Even though my kids were at my, my mother-in-law's <laughs> house. <laughs> that sounds like being an adult. There's no yeah. way There's no way I could make it through a, uh, a midnight, up to a midnight pre-release. Phil, did you play a pre-release? I did not. I was un- unable to. Yeah. Um, we're this is a gonna be a fun show. We, I, it's weird because like the way Dominaria has sort of rolled out has uh made it sort of tough for us to have like a review show like we usually do. Like we did a bunch of good cards already, and we'll re we'll touch on some of them again. But honestly, I think we're just all kind of looking forward to having a show that doesn't involve the ban restricted list. Yeah, right, yeah, guys. We'll- We'll stop the ban and restricted talk for now, but don't think that I'm yeah. not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna harp on 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 stuff later on. But uh, I think for yeah for now we've not kind in this of cast later yeah, on in the year we've yeah yeah we've uh you know I think we've put our nail in the coffin for for this one at the very least this round of of talks. I'm gonna crumple up the list of pillars of the format that I made. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got to, let's talk about Dominaria. I. What what do you guys think about the set overall? I it's weird. It's it's sort of like uh, I, I feel like I'm giving it a pass because I just love seeing all these words again. But I actually am a little disappointed that it's not more legacy ready. Yeah, the power level seems seems somewhat low to me if you're comparing it to to legacy. I'm I you know like I'm I'll say this about about the uh, set. It's cool that we're going you know we're going back to dominaria and it makes me almost want to play standard a little bit so i'm i'm looking at brewing in standard which i don't often feel like doing uh so it'll be interesting to see uh see uh what happens with standard if if standard feels more fun after this and you know there's some there's some interesting stuff for modern and and uh you know we i think we've picked a couple good legacy cards as well yeah um bill do you want to initial impressions sorry yeah i'm on the other side i think we're underestimating the set i think there are enough unique things going on with all of the legendary aspects of the design where they just have very unique effects on all of these legends or effects that we already know tax onto legendary creatures mm-hmm. and if we've learned anything it's when you put a, a playable legacy spell onto a creature it just sees way more play uh, the most recent thing I can think of is Excavator. Yeah. Like, yeah, nobody was really true. playing Crucible, but it was a playable card. It was like a sideboard card out of lands. But Excavator, all of a sudden, that effect is way more playable. So I think that with so many of those throughout the set, I think there's a lot of cards that don't read as powerful, but then when we actually play them in the current environment, they will be. 
yeah, with me, the sagas are the one. We're going to talk about at least one saga. There are a couple of them that are sort of aggressively costed and, like, maybe just need a couple minutes to talk about, like, to think about. Um, you know, there's a couple two-mana sagas. I just, um, some of the four or five-mana ones, it seems like they're just sort of worse planeswalkers. But then we're going to talk about a three-mana one, so that's sort of right in the middle of that. But Yeah, well, let's let's jump in and let's start with a card that I know that Phil just cannot wait to talk about. It is Naban Dean of Iteration. It is one in a blue for legendary creature human wizard. It's a two-one. If a wizard entering the battlefield under your control causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. Now we've touched on this when it was spoiled, but Phil, you've now had a couple of weeks to think about it. So, what do you think? Card, card is it, like not only have I thought about it, I've put lists together and actually tested games with it. And the card is super real. It like the, all of the effect. Like you have to obviously build your. You're building a creature deck. Like I put it in only an eighth or vile deck. Like you want. Naban incentivizes you to play with multiple wizards. You want to be playing with wizards. I only touched the tip of the iceberg. I like went to the places that most people immediately go to. I started at Snapcasters. Recognized that Naban incentivizes you to just want to play more and more creatures and leverage the fact that you're getting all those abilities abilities on creatures. And so I just put him in an Aether Vile deck. You're blue, so you still get force. Uh, but some of the things that you get to do at a certain point, you get very reminiscent of shades of what other decks have done in the past. So uh, examples of this are, I touched on how the old Legend Miracles deck, which would play Venser and Click and then bounce it with Caracas, and that was your means of accruing card advantage. Like... Eventually, you would just get in this pattern where you just always controlled the board. Yeah. And with Naban, you get to do that way earlier on in the game. And the, like, if you think about all of the times where you're... If a card is already playable off an ETB effect, for example, Click, like that card is already playable. When you get two of those kinds of effects, that is... Way, like The exponential value that you get from that additional trigger for free is so high... And the fact that Naban, he's a 2-1 on his own. So he can beat, you know, I mean, he is Snapcaster size. The thing is, is that he's the thing that makes everything else better, but everything else is already going to be good on, on its own. So he becomes either a lightning rod that just steals your removal, and he's cheap, so it's not the worst if they just use the removal on that. And then if they don't, they just get punished right away if you have any type of effects. So... I was is it made me feel like I was just playing a trickier blue DNT where instead I got to play way more board control as opposed to and I got also got to play things that filter because rebuying click can can filter. There's a card called um, Aether Mage uh, something the uh, Vidalcan Aether Mage and that thing is it's a one two with flash so like in rare occasions you can just ambush viper something. But then it has wizard cycling, so you get to instant speed, uncounterable, tutor for any wizard in your deck. So you think if that's an instant speed tutor, so things with, like, you get play patterns where it's like, oh, depending on what they do, I can Aether Mage for a click and steal their thing in response to a show and tell. Or I can Aether Mage get this Reflector Mage, bounce their thing. Or, you know, I mean, the list goes on. 
but then once you get certain things like Naban bouncing two creatures, let's say you're playing in a creature matchup, Naban plus Reflector Mage bounce two creatures, and then both those cards can't uh, be cast for the, on the yeah. following turn. And then you also get weird shenanigans where like you see a bunch of cards where if you Reflector Mage bounce or Vencer bounce or click like look at their hand, then Meddling Mage becomes super real. And yeah. Meddling Mage is already on the cusp of playability. And you can tutor uh, for instant speed for a meddling mage. So if they do something, and we know the play patterns of a lot of these decks, we can probably calibrate what card is going to be in their hand. You're pretty close to already just being able to meddling mage, like really, really targeted, as yeah. opposed to like, oh, I need to play this thing on show and tell, and then you get sneak attacked or whatever, you know? Uh, I see on the screen he uh, Nate just brought up Riptide Laboratory, which is a land that says tap for a colorless or one in a blue tap return target wizard you control to its owner's hand. I had started the deck where that is something that I was considering, but I didn't actually test it yet because I knew I was going to already go into blue white because I knew when I was trying to move away from spells and more towards creatures, I moved towards Reflector Mage and Meddling Mage, which means that I already wanted white and I already wanted white anyway for Caracas. Because Caracas with Vencer or Caracas with Click is already good. And then Caracas also gets to protect your Nabon. Yeah. And yeah, the reason I put it up there because it bounces Reflector Mage, of course. Yeah, like, so you can do that those thing things. With... And like the thing is that you with because you have things like Vencer, when you get two triggers off of your Vencer with a Nabon on the table, you can bounce their spell or a permanent and then also bounce the Vencer. Or if you're in a position where the board is manageable and you just want to double up on those effects, you can play your Vencer, bounce your own thing, bounce the Vencer, and then replay your thing. And at a certain point, if your Vial goes to four, plus you have four lands with an Aban on the table, then you have four Vencer triggers per turn. Yeah, so if you have an Aban... pretty ridiculous. Uh, uh, yeah, well, so, I think where you've gone with this, Phil, is interesting because I think the number one thing people thought about was Snapcaster Mage, but you are right about one thing, is that this card doesn't really incentivize the same thing snapcaster incentivizes so i like started, you're talking about either round deck i started there I, like i was there i started with snapcasters and like i even dipped into augur of bolus for a little bit to see like what i could do with it uh, uh but then what i realized is that i would have a hand where i'm like man i feel like i'm playing a pseudo miracles deck but with creatures that can get killed and yeah. so all of then when i was like recognizing i'm like i have an abon i just want to exploit the fact that the bond's on the table because for two mana, if Naban gets any of those triggers, all, all of those triggers are for equivalent or more mana. Mm -hmm. So, like, the investment is already made. And if they trade with your Naban, that's great. Because he's not even, like, he's the thing that makes your deck playable. He's not the thing that your deck revolves. Like, he's the reason that the deck can exist. But if they kill it, like, he's a, he's a must kill. Otherwise, all the stuff is just going to go, like, one of those triggers just sets people so far back. And then, because you're a vile deck and you're playing the Aether Mage, you have a ton of instant speed already. And then you can play things. So, like, I went up and I was very conscious about how many four drops I can play, especially in Legacy. But I went up to Master of Waves and I went up to Sower of Temptation. Which I would uh, definitely I, play. Yeah. I tested out all those cards. The thing is well. that <laughs> the, the play pattern that I found as I was building these decks was. You want wizards, and you need a certain amount of one-drops, and you're not white, so you don't have Thalia, so you still need a way to interact with combo. So you have Click, and you have Vencer as a, as a main board card already against Show and Tell, but I felt like I was priced into Kurt's Catcher. I felt like I needed oh, that's to a good idea. turn one plays for disruption, because I was getting rid of 
like things like spell pierce. Mm -hmm. So curse catcher. And then I was like, well, the most powerful thing that a wizard can do that you can double up on is just like playing a master of ways for like five guys or whatever. And then they're just like, you're, you are like, you're blown out. And a lot of the removal is red and master of waves has protection from that. And you can instant speed it off of a vial. Like there's a lot of things going for it, but then you also then get silver gill adept and silver gill adept with a Nabon just becomes uh, an insane draw card because silver is already a good card. But now you already have four curse catcher, four silver gill plus some number of master waves. So you're not too far off from just always being able to cast it. Even if you don't have an aether vial mm -hmm. and it's a good card on its own. Then if you double up off a Nabon, then it's great. Uh, well, I got, I got to say, I was not a believer in this card, but I think the way you've, Sort of described how you built the deck is is making me think about it. Yeah, I I will be bringing this deck to a major event at some point as I continue to tune it, uh, uh -huh. because it has I have found that it is very good and it's very good at like staving off like it can play very well from behind. A lot of the cards that you get where you can just go like if you go turn one vile turn two Naban if they don't kill it they are in a world of hurt because then if you have an aether vial on two plus you hit your third land, you can now flash something in on the two and then also click. So like there's not, there would be scenarios where I would just go, okay, in your, I have an Abon and I Aether Vial on two in your draw step, click you meddling made your play. Now, could you, you could play Thalia in this deck. Not that I'm saying you should, but if you're already, if you're going to play meddling mage and reflector mage, like there's no reason you couldn't play Thalia. This is just like a weird, it's weird. Like, uh, not weird and sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Counterintuitive, like a DNT deck, but it's more like a value deck. Like you're gonna just draw a ton of cards with your Silvergill adept, yeah. and you're going to gate. You're gonna gain control of that. You're gonna flip the board with your Reflector Mage. You're not really taxing them, but Thalia is a thing you could play. Um, the thing that I found, or like, because that I'll be honest, like that I did think about stealing like the disruptive parts of DNT and bringing it over into this deck. Uh, there are a couple things that I, I found were wrong with Thalia that just made her kind of super clunky in the deck. I get that sounds weird. She's only a two drop, but uh, essentially the way that the play patterns happen is Thalia keeps your opponent from casting spells. And because you're playing things like Reflector Mage and Venser, you actually want them to spend their mana and then you take it back. Oh, interesting. And then because you're like, if you think about it like this, so Vile is leveraging you a ton of mana. And then the bond giving you two of the triggers is also leveraging you mana. So if you play your spell and then I get to, I, I, if I have a Naban and then I guess you get to go, okay, cast a reflector mage, bounce two creatures. I have now effectively stolen the mana that you played to get those creatures. Right? So if you're playing against us, you know, let's say they have a, a death right and a Gurmag. I'm just spitballing here, but as an example, if I bounce both those creatures and then you can't cast either of them, I've set back the summoning sickness on Deathrite and the fact that you've already delved. Yeah. Whereas, like, the cards that are taxing, I don't want to stop you necessarily from casting your spells. I want to be able to react based on I have all of these tricks a la Meddling Mage, Venser, uh, Click, Lights Out card with, um, whatchamacallit, with uh, Master of Waves. I tried out Phantasmal Image as ways to catch them that way because doubling up on all of those effects, there's, like... Not quite necessarily the threshold of like super playable wizards, but I did try things and I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. But when I found that Master of Waves was just like lights out and it was it, it proved very, very good, by the way. Yeah. Uh, just like swarming the board like it's, it, it attacks from a completely different angle and it closes the game very quickly. And it's also a merfolk for Silver Gill Adept.
Uh, but the other card that I found that I was trying out was Patron Wizard because I was looking for things to <laughs> yeah you got a Patron Wizard well because I was looking for ways well, to abuse the de- abuse the devotion but then yeah. I was like oh if you just play this on three I, I moved away from it because I wanted um, Aether Mage is a three drop when you cycle it Click is a three drop Reflector Mage is a three drop so I went a little conservative but that's a type of card that isn't too far off where it's like you just spam a couple of wizards and then all of a sudden they just never get to cast a spell because it's just always going to be cast countered yeah I, I dropped think- it. For the reason that I explained for Thalia. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that, that when I'm talking more about like side, when I was I mentioned Thalia, I was thinking like you could always sideboard in Thalia if you really need something else. Right. I mean, there was there was a uh, I, I played a game where I played uh, against a DNT deck and I had an Aban out and I cast a Sower and stole two creatures. Yeah. And, and that's, that's just, just like that's like a blue wrath. Like. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's a blue wrath that also just means that they're like dead on the swing back, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll say this: then, you had me at capsize your opponent out of the game with Nabon. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but I mean, as there, soon as you're there, doing that, I'm, I'm like, yeah, you're sold. Like, if you can make a deck out of this, I'm, I'm willing to play it. There's also like you're you're not too far off from just like being able to play Kai's Invitational card too, because I tried that out and it wasn't bad. It felt to the same thing, at least in the way that I had built the deck, to the same Thalia issue that I had explained. Um, but Kai's card, um, which is Void Mage Prodigy. Void Mage Prodigy, it's, yeah. It's blue blue for a two one, and it says blue blue sack a wizard counter target spell. Yep. So it lets you turn those cards. Like I found that I liked doing the bounce shenanigans to, uh, that are essentially flickering with Venser, and I even tried Deputy of Acquittals, which wasn't the worst to be honest. Like Deputy of Acquittals was actually pretty good. Um, Deputy of Acquittals for those who don't know, and I don't know why you ever would, but it's draft, it <laughs> it's draft chafe from Ravnica. And it's blue-white for a 2-2 with flash. So one, it's already a pretty good ambush viper. Like, I was actually surprised. It's not It's not bad at just being a kill spell. But then also, it says when it enters the battlefield, you can return another creature you control to its owner's hand. So when you have an Aban, it makes your board essentially impenetrable. Because you get two triggers to bounce your own things. So it's good with your clicks. It's good with Venser. It's good at protecting your own stuff. I tried it as a one-of. I really liked it as a silver bullet to just be able to find in response to a kill spell, and you can Aether Mage and then flash in the Deputy of Acquittals. I also like that with Vile, it lets you play multiple spells on your opponent's turn because it has flash. And one of the things that things that other creature decks have, like DNT, they get to spend their mana on their opponent's turn with a Vile because they have things like Port. So you're actively using your mana on your opponent's turn. With Wizards, I did not play that stuff because my colors were so intensive. And for the same reasons, I'm not trying to stop your mana production. I'm trying to clunk up the fact that you can't advance your board. Uh, so what Deputy of Acquittals did was it, one, protected those things, but then it lets you continue to do that at a cheaper rate. But then also the fact that it has Flash, that has Flash, Venser has Flash, Click has Flash, and then you have Vile, and then you also have Aether Mage, which can cycle at instant speed. It just means that you have a ton of things to do with your mana on top of having Vile, but the deck with or without Vile was able to play at instant speed a lot of the time, and you can pick and choose. It's like, oh, well, I could click them right now. Or it seems like my next turn is going to be way more busted if I Aether Mage for this particular thing. And then you can play a bunch of Silver Bullets. Like I played a one of Sower, a one of Deputy of Acquittals. I was playing two Meddling Mage as opposed to a full set because you can really pick and choose based on the matchup. Um, and then you also can like reset your Meddling Mage because you're doing a bunch of this Flicker stuff. Uh, the deck played out way better than I thought it would as just like a, a solid deck because you still get Force of Will. 
So I played it with Force. I played it with Days. I cut the Dazes because I just wanted more creatures because I, I recognized that I had enough disruptive creatures that I was doing all right. And against certain combo decks, like, you are just so good against Show and Tell because you have so many cards in your deck that they can't cast the Show and Tell into. They can't cast Show and Tell into Reflector Mage. They can't cast Show and Tell into Avencer. You have Click, which just hoses them immediately. You can play Meddling Mage on half of their combo piece. Like, if they go Show and Tell and think that they got you because you put in, because they can put in, um, omniscience you're like all right well i have the vencer you like lights out yep um or you just if, name if, uh, if they, if they yeah. try and play and they're like oh well okay here's uh an emercool you're like yeah reflector mage that back to your hand it's like that you have so many main board cards against that combo deck like it felt like a breeze um plus you have force well and curse catcher like it's really good well so naban is a, is a buy <laughs> we're gonna would, we're gonna call naban say... a buy yeah <laughs> And what's interesting about this deck, just again to like, you know, get it back to like comparing it to DNT, is you sort of have like DNT, you have your uh, Recruiter of the Guard, which is uh, Vidalcan Aether Mage, you have Aether Vile, where you have, would have Swords of Plowshares instead, you have Force, which is, you know, better and worse in, in certain situations than Swords of Plowshares. Swords. I mean, I was, I, I never actually like articulated my board super cleanly, like, because I was obviously still testing it out, because I was yeah. trying to figure out. What is it good against? What is it bad against? I recognize that I was very good against show and tell. Um, I found that the you have to like learn your matchups a little bit more. Uh, but like you also just get to free roll cavern, and that's also really nice. And you just get to have Caracas, which is also really good against a lot of decks. Like it's just like oh, I'm playing against uh, Turbo Depths, and I just have Caracas, so this is great. Yeah, and. Like, if they, because they will, in the blind, they would name Pithing Needle on Wasteland, and I wasn't playing Wasteland, and so now they would need to find a second one for the Caracas, but at, at that point, I'm also already set up to, like, do all of these shenanigans that, like, control the board, and then I can, like, in response, bounce the Pithing Needle to Caracas their thing, or I have a bunch of flyers where I can, like, in like play the click, block, Deputy of Acquittals, bounce the click, and then just do that over and over again, because you're at that point. The deck had way more play to it, and I'm surprised, and I'm a big believer in Nabon. I think I just tipped, the, I just like touched the surface on that dude. I think the the fact that he doesn't do anything on his own is keeping people at bay, but I think people are underestimating the power level of doubling up in effect. Right. Yeah. We have to move on, but we should. We'll, we'll be talking about this. It'll be interesting to see how it develops. I'm sure. Yeah, sorry, I'm monologuing. I'm super hyped <laughs> on that dude. Uh, we yeah. move on to Baird. Baird, Steward of Argive. Two white-white for legendary creature Human Soldier with Vigilance. The 2-4. Creatures can't attack you or a Planeswalker you control unless their controller play pays one for each of those creatures. Uh, this is on here because it is the first one of these, I believe, these, uh, these uh, Windborn Muse uh, propaganda ghostly prison effects that actually affects Planeswalkers, except for, I think, Norn's Annex. So, I, I mean, it's... I yeah, actually Lord's played Anna. against this card uh, today in a sealed event, and let me tell you, um, you're, what you're about to hear from my mouth is going to sound insane. This card's really good in multiples. Yeah. Hel Whoa, of, how did that happen? Helm of the Host on this oh, guy, geez. and then I couldn't yeah. do anything to my opponent after like three turns. It's pretty pretty silly. Helm? Oh, yeah, because it makes a non-legendary non copy of it. And I was like, oh, God, what's going on? But, uh, yeah, gotcha. I mean, that guy lived the dream against me. It was pretty great. Uh, anyhow, uh, 
Yeah, uh, I I don't know. I like I like this guy as a as a four mana uh, sort of like card that can be another tax effect in uh, in death and taxes. I think I think it's not like ideally what death and taxes is trying to do, but um you know uh, play this play this out against uh you know uh, Tess or something if they if they can get uh you know your board clear and get out enough guys that you still have to pay to attack with them. So you've got that going for you. I think four mana is a non-starter against those types of things. It is, it is agreed. I'm not saying side this in against that deck. I'm just saying it's a, it's another thing that like you know it it, it puts it, it puts them in a no-win situation if they can get out of whatever situation you put them into. Let me pose just, this question to you for for Baird. Is there any reason that you would be playing if you wanted this effect? Let's say you're like whatever the deck you're playing. Let's say you're playing this deck. What deck wants that effect? That moat isn't just better. Uh, people who only have twenty-four cents. Yes. <laughs> is, it, is it solely um, a, a, well, a price thing is that the only I, like I, I from think, a strategic standpoint though is it is is there any reason that you would ever play this over moat um it, well so it's tough right because uh obviously if you're stopping your opponent from uh attacking you or a planeswalker they obviously have dudes so you having a dude on the board that's like not particularly threatening as a 2-4 doesn't really uh strike me as like the thing to be doing um so yeah i, I would say yes moat is better than this card's uh, not strictly, but pretty close to strictly. Uh, yeah, I mean, this taxes flying creatures, which is something to consider. Um, yeah, the question is, what can you get out of it with as the body? Like, you could you put some sort of equipment on it, and it can attack and block um, because it's got vigilance. So even once they do attack, if they do pay the one to attack, they're definitely attacking into at least a two four, and who knows what else you have. But yeah, I'm just trying. To I, I just I. In the current environment, even if you were like, oh, I like it because it's a creature, is there any reason you would play this over Palace Jailer? I mean, Palace um, Jailer is pretty bonkers, honestly. Yeah, Palace Jailer is pretty good. I mean, like the thing is, is, if somebody played this card, if I like, I could see this card hitting the table, and I wouldn't be like, oh, that's unreasonable, right? Like, I think this card does have applications. I'm just saying that at two white white for the effect that it has, it's competing against other things that have seen play. And I am trying to think of the instances where Baird would be better than either of those cards. I don't know what they are. That's why I'm playing devil's yeah. advocate. I, I just I just did it. Well, I mean, like I said, I was really just sort of like pointing out this. This does affect planeswalkers, which is so. My thing, my theory was well, with like getting the trials or something like that, where you don't want them to attack your planeswalkers either. Um, it, which also hasn't seen play, but I I'm that's mine. That's mine about at this point. I'm sort of looking at it a lot because I saw someone. 5-0 a league in modern with uh, getting to the trials deck that I thought was pretty sweet. Um, but I think that my my theory was that you're going to be, it means some sort of white, possibly white blue or some other sort of deck where you have planeswalkers as, as value engines. And you're also doing something, some sort of recursive, recursive land destruction that makes it hard to pay one. Um, and this protects the planeswalkers as well. Whereas ghostly prison would not that makes sense so yeah well let's uh, move on to tetsuo tetsuko tetsuko umezawa fugitive one in a blue for a legendary creature human rogue creatures you control with power or toughness one or three can't be blocked oh and look at this he's got power one he's a one three uh this is a really interesting card i think because it makes your whole team of weenies unblockable <laughs> And it is itself unblockable and is a rogue, so it triggers Prowl. Um, the question is, 
what can you what can you do with that? <laughs> uh, like, I mean, wh- first thing that comes to mind is like now your Glistener elves are unblockable. Um, yeah, but a good one. and I I honestly don't know if this is a card I would want to slot into Infect, but it might be a situation where if I know I'm playing against like if I was playing against D and I would I would think about this card, you know, as a sideboard slot. So, um, you know, generally D and T has enough, uh, you know, flyers and and ground guys that like you know my my non blighted agents are going to are going to have to at least deal with blockers. I mean, my thing was that I I could see it comboing with Edric, which I just put up on our on our shared screen here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like I thought about young pyromancer, like oh, I just make all a bunch of young pyromancers. You drop this now, or young. Uh, whatever they're called, elementals. And then uh, they, they're not going to be chomped by, you know, Deathrite Shamans and Batter Skulls and all these things that get in their way. And you can just start to swing out and go on the aggressive side. It's a two-mana blue 1-3. It's not... Um, it's a playable card from all those points, a, right? A 1-3 so. is a pretty effective blocker for the things that you would want to block that aren't necessarily already unblockable a la TNN. Yeah, like Thalia is the big one there, right? Just block Thalia. Yeah. I mean, I know so. I noted this before, but this does make TNN unblockable, guys. Right. Well, your point about Infect was interesting, Zach, because you already have two unblockable... I mean, you've got an like literally unblockable creature, mm-hmm. and then you have Ink Moth Nexus, which is generally unblockable. Yeah. I mean, the... the so, like, the making main... one other card unblockable. Yeah, you're only making that one other card unblockable technically... But the amount of times that you play against a deck where like their flyers are relevantly blocking your uh, your Ink Moth Nexuses, generally you just pump your Ink Moth Nexus uh, with you know with spells to like get rid of their blockers, um, yeah. in hopes that you'll be chipping through later on. So I don't know that that's exactly where you want to be, but um, you know being able to play this guy uh, and and know that like your Ink Moths are going to be unblockable actually. And your Glistener Elves are unblockable as well. And it just being a lightning rod for what your, you know, your opponent, like, might just see that and be like, I don't know what kind of crap you're pulling, but I'm going to stop that right now. You know, the false cure test, as, as we like to call it. <laughs> right, yeah, right. When I first right. saw this card, I actually just went to its namesake and was thinking, I'm like, oh, is this uh, maybe a card that can kind of revive Esper Stoneblade a little bit, since you were already playing Lingering Souls and... You're in the market for being able to get through with your actual Umazawa's jet. Like, yeah, and that's like kind of Stoneforge was... Mystic is a uh, is a one two. Yeah, so like the fact that all of the creatures that that deck plays, including Snapcaster Mage, which also is unblockable with Tetsuko, that you just suit up any cards on the jet, and then all of a sudden you just become a heavier, like a jet heavier Stoneblade deck. Yeah. Like your plan yeah. is always actively to like instead of getting the batter skull first, you're actively getting the jit first. Uh, the only downside is that he gets turned off when you equip a sword. Yeah, that's the thing. Unfortunately, yeah, and I'm not that you. Yeah, uh, you, once you put anything bigger than a jite on the creature, like uh, you know the sword or or have a batter skull, that can't be made unblockable. But jite alone might be good enough though. Like yeah. I'm not sure. It often is. I mean, it's not a. It's clearly a busted card. That... Yo, arcane flight. It's an enchantment aura, enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one, and has flying. So this is a strict upgrade over flight, which was in alpha. Now it gives it plus one, plus one. Here's why I put this on here. Yes, do, you have any, do you have any respect for Bogles as a potential legacy strategy? Zero percent. 
you don't think there's any chance that someone's going to go Bogle, Days, Arcane Flight, my Bogle? <laughs> like, zero percent. Zach? I think that because <laughs> enough people are worried about a 2020 flyer and play, d- d- like, a, what's it called, a Diabolic Edict effects in their deck, that Boggles is probably not well placed in, in this format. Um, but, you know, uh, it's it, it's not something that I think is impossible to play, and I think that it's a space that people haven't really uh, tinkered with too much lately, so it could be... Uh, it could be a card that uh, that it could be a, a style of play that see, that sees uh, some sort of resurgence, but I I, I honestly you do also doubt it. Here's my quick. I did, I did play card. against I did play against uh, I did play against Legacy Boggles once online. Now I did win, <laughs> so it wasn't like it beat me, but yeah. Here's my quick snippet on Boggles and Legacy. It's not going to happen, and the reason for that is that it's good in modern because in modern the things that can answer uh, a Boggle. Uh, like a suited up boggle that uh, through totem armor are few and far between uh, in legacy. People need to be able to deal with TNN and a 2020. Yeah. And those things like edict, which they're priced into because of that and Liliana's or what have you like no boggles boggle. If people were thinking about playing boggles at legacy, either uh, go in expecting to be part of the Oh four bracket or uh, kindly leave. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, we're not going to review demonic figure then. <laughs> that was another Boggles card. <laughs> well, Demonic Vigor um, is basically another another Totem Armor, right? Geez, I'm, I'm going to play in Birmingham, and the first thing that's going to happen is I get paired up against Boggles and get soundly crushed. <laughs> I hope that happens. I hope I hope they arcane flight <laughs> your Boggle, and that you're just and you and then they daze your Diabolic Edict, because that would be sick. You know, the reason I thought about it was Arcane Flight's blue, and uh, what's it called is blue. Um. The stupid boggle, slippery boggle. That's blue. Uh, so now you've got force of will and days to back up your boggles. You know, just saying. Broken bond, one in the green, sorcery. Destroy target artifact or enchantment. You may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. This is a sorcery. I thought this was an instant. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. There's a, there's a deck that there's a deck that wants to destroy certain enchantments. Mm-hmm. That also has a lot of lands in its hands at all times. So would you play this over Crows and Grit? Good question. We have to ask someone who plays lands. I mean, I, I don't play lands, but I, I would not play this over Crows and Grit, specifically because generally it's when when your opponent... yeah, Well, the, one, it's a sorcery, but two, the other reason is like split second not being able to be countered is so huge, and you never like, you know putting an extra land into play isn't that big a deal, especially if you're already playing a, a card that, like, oftentimes just lets you put a land into play anyhow. Um, versus, like, being able to not lose the game because your opponent has some card out that stops you from winning. Well, there's also the Turbo Depths deck that could use could use this to kill certain things that drive it crazy, whether that's Ensnaring Bridge or... Um... Uh, Pithing Needle on Thespian Stage or something like that, yeah. right? And they're putting a lot of land cards in their hand with... They don't, they're don't. they not playing a bunch of lands like lands does, but they're putting land cards in their hands with uh, Sylvan Scrying and Expedition Map. So Yeah, I mean, possible. Dissenter's delivery, I think, I think Deliverance sees play. Because, huh? Dissenter's Deliverance sees play, so I wouldn't be surprised to see this in the sideboard. Yeah, there are definitely cards... Like, this This effect, like, this is like your, nat- your naturalized effect and... Season to taste, right? 
So like, ooh, I'm building a deck where I want my naturalize effect to also explore. I want it to be cyclable in the case of uh, the Senator's Deliverance. Yeah. Fungal Infection, one black instant. Target creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. Create a 1-1 one, one green sapling creature token. I really don't know how much I feel like this card. This is the kind of card I personally like a lot. Unfortunately, minus one, minus one effects aren't, like, uh, single ones, ones like this aren't great. But it is an instant speed creature and destroy another creature, potentially. This card is great once... It... <laughs> don't say it. Excuse me, excuse me. Uh, fungal <laughs> Infection got me sneezing. Um, I think that as long as Deathrite Shaman is 40% of the field, this card is unplayable. Yeah. Unless people are attacking you with their Deathrite Shaman, then it is hilariously good. Yes, because it kills it, right? <laughs> I did think about that. This kills X2s uh, by itself uh, that are attacking, but that's not really a thing that happens. Kills Young Pyromancer and a token for one mana. Uh, kills an Unflipped Delver and gives you a board presence. I mean, it's it's something that I don't think a deck exists for it, but it is an interesting effect that hopefully they'll make it better. It's, I'm, kind it's, of run, I'm running through some of these cards so that we can get to some of the good ones. but You would uh, really have to leverage that 1-1 one, one to just be playing this over Fatal Push. Right, yeah. and now that Fatal Push exists, that's a big that's an issue, right? I mean, you have Cabal Therapy, but that's all. Oops, wrong one. That's not that, that card already exists. Artificer's Assistant. That's what I wanted, not Artificer's Intuition. Artificer's Assistant. One blue mana, creature bird flying. The 1-1. One, one. Whenever you cast a historic spell, scry one. Yeah, Artifact, I'm, Legendary I'm a believer. This is, this is a card I'm a believer in. So I, Cavern on Bird, and then what? No, I'm just kidding. Well, I mean, then you've got Glintness Crane, right? Um, no, I think I think this card, uh, if it doesn't see play in Legacy, it could see play in in Modern, because being able to scry uh, for every single artifact that you drop on turn one of your uh, what's it called uh, of your affinity deck, it might be ridiculously broken. I, I mean, this thing with a stupid cranial plating on it doesn't sound very fun. No. <laughs> well, I mean, it sounds fun to be on the other side. Yikes. Yeah, apparently someone, someone, someone's riding a motorcycle by my apartment. Um, but I like, I like that you guys went right to Affinity, which is probably the first place that you should be putting this card if you're giving it a shot. The first place when I actually saw this card is the card that sits in the back of my mind for Legacy and Modern at all times is at what point will Paradoxical Outcome be playable? And yep. I thought about, like, when I saw this card and a Mox in the same set coming out, I went, is Paradoxical Outcome going to be a thing yet? I don't know, but that's a card where I was thinking to myself that this is the exact type of thing that you would want in that style of deck because it's cheap card filtering. Yeah, uh, yeah I thought about that, also too. also something that you would be able to bounce with the Paradoxical Outcome on the cheap. Yeah, right. I think that, and it's also an evasive creature. Like one hundred percent, you can put cranial plating in your in your. You could easily put cranial plating in your paradox welcome deck and have like a backup plan. Yeah, I think this card would be would be one hundred percent playable if it was also an artifact, which is kind of a bummer. But still, I think a one one flyer getting a flying man that like has upside, and 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 a lot of upside in the decks that are gonna want this card, it, it might be very playable. And yeah. it's on color. Yeah, yeah, it's on color. Yep, well, it would have, have to be because it's uh, a, uh, in Blue's Color Pie to Monkey with Artifacts. Vicious Offering. One in a black instant. Picker, sacrifice a creature. Target creature gets minus two, minus two until end of turn. If this spell was kicked, that creature gets minus five, minus five until end of turn instead. Look. <laughs> I cannot wait to kill someone's uh, Gurmag Angler with a veteran explorer. 
<laughs> oh god that's that, that's where i'm saying like this card is god awful unless you are specifically in it for the sacrifice of creature yeah i mean it's a sacrifice outlet with with pretty nice upside you know it's gonna it's gonna you know kill something i mean right? this this card just combos so well with uh academy rector it's a shame that uh yagmas bargain isn't legal in this format right <laughs> well there's a there's a well i mean it, would, it could go right in that deck i mean it's i mean they play Evolutionary Leap, um, which is a Zet. But, I mean, they also play Collective Brutality, which this sort of would compete with. The question is whether or not this is better. Collective Brutality in that deck discards Lingering Souls, but it doesn't really do anything else. This would sacrifice both the Vets and the uh, Academy Rectors. So, uh, yeah, I should tell uh, Kyre, who uh, is famous for Nick's Fit here in Utah, that this exists. This one will be fun. Uh, I think... We'll have some fun with this one. Uh, Ronan, Disciple of Gex. One in a blue and a black for a legendary creature human artificer is a 2-2. When Ronan, Disciple of Gex enters the battlefield, you may exile target historic card from your graveyard. You may cast non-land cards exiled with Rona. Four tap, exile the top card of your library. So, this is going to be like a delayed snapcaster for some sort of permanent obviously most likely an artifact, but legendaries also includes planeswalkers and legendary creatures. Let's not, you know, let's not forget that. Um, and it stacks. So if you have a way to, to manipulate the top of your library, which I actually don't think you can do in legacy, that was sarcasm. <laughs> uh, but you can, you can set this, you can set this up at instant speed. It's too bad. Top isn't still legal. That'd be pretty, that'd be something with this. I, I think what do you guys this think? could see play in Tesserator as like a one of, um, you get your Tezzeret back. Just get a Tezzeret back. I yeah, mean, you get your Tezzeret back. I mean, I think I, I, I think that this this card is is not like the you know like this doesn't scream like broken to me, but it might be a role player. Oh, hold on! You can cast any non-land card exiled with Rona. It mm -hmm. doesn't have to be a historic card. Yeah, no, no. You, so you if you if you use whatever. this exile the top card of your library, yeah, yeah well, you don't get a land. The the four mana clause to exile the top is like pretty expensive like i don't think that's gonna be too crazy except like i mean people play tassiger and there's just times where that's relevant also yeah, you're, I'm you're grinding a, out with this card you're also probably playing this in a soul land deck so that's a thing too i, I mean I, i'm looking at the fact that you have a historic it kind of seems like it fits like a a weird gap between uh pile decks and like the shardless decks because this thing can cast oh, Baleful yeah. Strix and yep. a Leoval, or your Planeswalkers. And Shardless Agent. Or Shardless Agent. I mean, it's another three drop. Like, I don't know if your deck wants that. But, like, maybe if you're as a... I don't know. It seems like there's enough applications that this could show up somewhere. I mean, you can also just recast your Mana Rock. Yeah. Like, what if the... Is there, you can get a Lion's Eye Diamond back, and then you're at Mana Equity. Well, I like that you, you could also just go... I mean, in I, I'm trying to think of a deck that would want it, but you have like pedal, crack pedal, cast this thing, exile the pedal, replay pedal. Well, yeah, and then if you have that bird in play, you just uh, you just scryed a bunch too. Oh, you scryed, so you know what the top card of your library is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're we're nowhere close, but this card might be. Yeah, I, I think it's a, I think it's a fun card. I think it's an interesting effect. Uh, this card is also fun. Giving, uh, giving any artifact flashback has to be playable somewhere. Right. 
Uh, Traxos, Scourge of Krug. He's a four mana legendary artifact creature construct with trample. It's seven seven. Traxos, Scourge of Krug enters the battlefield tapped. It doesn't untap during your untap step. Whenever you cast a historic spell, untap Traxos. So, I mean. I mean, I'm calling this for a possible include in uh, vintage shops, uh, just because it can be like a turn a turn one play that is literally just a three turn clock for your opponent. Um, that is very that's that's exactly what it is, right? This thing is you're def like if you get this down early, turn one, like turn one and vintage is possible. Turn two and vintage and legacy are very likely. You don't need to be like spewing your hand out like those decks tend to do. You just play one artifact a turn and make them answer the seven seven with evasion, right? Yeah, I mean, well, if you if you think about it, you know, you you pop out like, uh, you know, some sphere effect on turn one, turn two, you play a land and you you already have your, uh, you know, your workshop in play. You play this guy the next turn, uh, your opponent still can't do anything. You play another sphere effect of some kind, and and you know. This card isn't. But then like, the game's I over think, well, Agreed. Well, I think what what I'm what I'm coming down to is that like this card might not currently be like a card you want to slot into into uh, the workshop deck, but the way things are going with workshop, like they're obviously not getting rid of workshop anytime soon, but they will be making sure that the other cards in that deck are going to be not as powerful. So you're going to need to look for other one ofs that are good, and this is a card that like might be able to be slotted in. This looking at this card and Karn, like this is a this set is a stompy player's wet dream. It really is. I mean, that's the best thing to do with when you have a bunch of overcosted cards, which is what I was complaining about before. Like uh, that, it was just like too bad that some of these cards just over are overcosted. But you know, four mana in Legacy is two mana because it's Ancient Tomb City of Traders. Yeah, which is you four, know, yeah, four colorless mana. Uh, four colorless <laughs> mana, I should say. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I like this card. I like it in Affinity, too. It's another cool Affinity card. I wonder if uh, if we'll start to see Legacy Affinity. I, I think this 7-7 seven, seven Trampler will show up because it is a turn two play, and uh, you are going to be building a deck that will have plenty of things to make sure that it untaps. Oh, yeah. It so. is too bad that it is too bad that it doesn't work with Mox Amber. Like, it doesn't produce make Mox Amber produce mana. However, if Those you then cast Painter's Servant, you can make Mox Amber produce anything you want. Oh, yeah, it doesn't because it's not a color. Yeah, it's not a color. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Torgar, Famine Incarnate. Six black black, legendary creature avatar. As an additional cost to cast this spell, you may sacrifice any number of creatures. This spell costs two, two generic mana less to cast for each creature sacrificed this way. When it enters the battlefield, up to one target player's life total becomes half their starting life total, rounded down... Seven six. Now hold on, bear with me, guys. Mm -hmm. Swamp, Dark Ritual, the rest your swords plowshares, Cobalt, Cobalt, Cobalt. This guy, <laughs> you're at ten go. I mean that sounds cool, uh, but <laughs> you know what I was thinking with this card is initially my my original thought was like, wow, how cool is this? And now now think about it, how awkward is this with uh, uh, Veteran Explorer? Uh, you want because... to sack the veteran explorer and get the land, but you can't do that like to to get this into play. Yeah, well, if you get to, it works on your second veteran explorer. Yeah. Um, what I th the the thing that st sticks out to me about this card, aside from the fact that it's 
potentially a seven six for black black yeah. is the text is sacrifice any number of creatures. So just having a mass sack outlet, there might there might be ways where you might just play it for that effect. Like the seven six might just be gravy in like weird times where you didn't just kill them. I I used to play Killing Wave uh, in the standard zombies deck. Yeah, I used to love that card. <laughs> uh, and like yeah, so if you have some sort of like you know blood artist combo working, like you could probably kill them, right? It's well, like it's it's because it would. It's free. It's sack any number of creatures as an additional cost to cast it. So it's a free, it's a free mass sack outlet. Like it, you can just sack any any number is a big deal to me. You can sack any number for free. Yeah. Oh, I, it doesn't. Hmm. Unfortunately, it doesn't stack so that you can make them lose the life and then use your triggers to kill them the rest of the way. I thought that might work. But if you're right. at that point in the game where you have that many creatures, you're gonna have two lands. Yeah. No, I'm talking about I'm talking about like let's say you have a con- like idea where you have like a bunch of zombies and the blood artist, and you're gonna sacrifice all of them to this to get all the blood artist triggers. Unfortunately, you're still gonna put result- them to ten. <laughs> yeah, you're well. You're still gonna put them. No, you can put yourself. Oh no, it becomes it does, they don't lose half their life. It becomes half their starting life total. Okay, I see. Uh, yeah, that sucks. No, what That's that good. means is that you can, if you had all those blood artist triggers, the this this will go on th- like this happens. You sack all the creatures. The blood artist triggers go on the stack. This comes down. You make their life total ten, and then you kill them. That doesn't work because the the triggers will resolve before this comes into play. Because no, it's, it's an additional cost to cast the spell. So this this spells on the stack, and then all the triggers are on the stack. Yeah. I think that's how it works. The spell has to resolve first, so it, all the triggers will happen first. I, I thought you could stack it so that when it, it would enter at the same time as all the triggers, but I think the spell will still be on the stack, unfortunately. Well, it, it wouldn't go where this you as this is an additional cost, so this thing isn't on the battlefield. Is when this thing the already on the battlefield? No, no. no it's all the like, triggers will resolve first, yeah. It's, it's a cast trigger, so it's like Shardless Agent, where like the Shardless Agent hasn't hit the board yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, no, this, hand, one, that, 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 this is different because this one is when it enters the battlefield, not on a, a, a cast but, trigger. Yeah, but the cast, no, no, but, but, the, the cast triggers are coming from the uh, Blood Artist. So I you're see. like, I'm going to Blood Artist, all these triggers are on the stack, and then your opponent's like, okay, well, I'm going to counter your uh, Incarnate or let it resolve, but before that, he has to resolve all the triggers from the Blood Artist first. I tap out. You got it. Yep, I yeah. think you're definitely right. I'm wrong. What could you do with oh, the mass sacrifice effect? That, now you've got me thinking about a mass sacrifice <laughs> effect. I just thought about I just thought about like a young pyromancer deck, where you just like oh crap, you've got a bunch of like ways to deal with my one ones. I guess I'll just make this seven six. <laughs> I mean, it struck me as something that I, I don't know. What's the what is there a card where? I mean, obviously you can't play these aren't legacy playable cards, but uh, living death or whatever, where you want all your things in the yard is pretty good well they had devour which which was a thing where you could um sacrifice any number of creatures and it put a some amount of plus one plus one counters on it yeah well they have had that effect before but none of those cards have been none of those cards have had a second thing or had a cost reduction associated with it yeah this one just being uh, like also just the fact that it's black black for a seven six is pretty big like it stands in front of everything that everybody's doing and it comes down like like right now, the biggest thing that people do with Black Black is Tombstalker. 
Yeah, this is bigger than Tombstalker. And this is bigger than that, and it also actually you can cast a Tombstalker. Yeah, you can cast uh, Tombstalker with all the secret yeah. creatures you sacrifice. You un- untap, and ca- if you have four black mana, you've got Tombstalker and this in the same turn. Um, um but yeah, I mean, it, it'll be an interesting card to see if anyone works. I mean, this this is this is a card I would I would monkey around with for sure. I mean, it's um, a ca- it's another cost reduction effect, and if we've learned anything from literally every cost reduction effect that's ever happened. Yes, uh, more free stuff is always bad, or good, or whatever. However you look at it, broken. <laughs> Maldrotha the Grave Tide. Speaking of more free stuff, three black, green, blue, three generic mana, black, green, blue. Legendary creature, elemental avatar. During each of your turns, you may play up to one permanent card of each permanent type from your graveyard. It is a six-six. I I can't go through it because we're like an hour in and I can't remember exactly how it works. There is an infinite combo with this and like dance of many that someone figured out. Oh, geez. (laughs) Where you sacrifice the original one and then you play the dance of many, but you also do the lines like that. Why aren't you just doing the world gorger dragon combo? It's it's very world gorgery. Yeah. Plus I couldn't actually, you made infinite mana with, with, with lion's eye diamond, I think was the deal. So uh, you dance of many, you target, you make a token copy of this. Um, you then you sacrifice the original one. Then you flash back the lion's eye diamond, which you use to cast the dance of many, and you get you net one blue mana, and then you just <laughs> flip it around. It's it's interesting. And then, and then you stroke of genius them to death. Uh, uh from there. <laughs> I guess you probably just uh, or was... you uh, yeah, break them. I mean, I was looking at this card as as a, a card that Nick Fit might want to play as a one of. Uh, it, it just seems like an interesting design space, and uh, and you know, th- possibly getting you know what five permanents in play or five cards in play. You know, like. Well, it, they're not free. Yeah, you got to play them. Uh, so you they're have to actually cast them. one per turn. Yeah. Of, one of each of permanent each type. type. That's yeah. one. Let's let's talk about the permanent types. That's creature, artifact, planeswalker, enchantment, land, land. Creature, artifact, planeswalker, enchantment, land. Is that it? Tribal. No, that's not a permanent <laughs> type. Uh, it can. You can. You can have like tribal enchantment. Yeah, but you can't. You you couldn't. You wouldn't be able to cast like a bitter blossom and like a yeah, seal yeah. of fire. I think you just Why have not? to name the. Uh, you choose the one as you play it. So you would be like, yeah, this you're saying the tribal, tribal one. Yeah. I don't think tribal's a permanent type, though. It is. It says tribal enchantment fairy. It's not enchantment tribal fairy. No, but tribal... Oh, is what, I, I don't know. It's not I would a permanent. Have to, it's I, not considered it, a permanent. I, I don't know if permanent type counts for that, but that oh, yeah, that's, that that would be a thing to find out. Uh, I'll also just I say that do I don't think know. if you're playing Moldroth of the Grave Tide that you're trying to play Bitter, Bo- Bitter Blossom. <laughs> Are there any other tribal permanents? Oh, there's probably like there's there's uh there's favor of the mighty that would give your Maldrotha protection from all colors. Oh wow, yo! <laughs> I'm always looking for new tribal cards, and none of them are just none of them are as good as Bit of Blossom. It this thing just strikes me as a bigger, more unplayable. Uh, what's the Grixis card that lets you flash back a spell every turn? Cast, cast. It's like yeah. a bigger, fatter, unplayable cast. Oh, you know, <laughs> I guess the dream would be to play cast and this in the same check pile deck. <laughs> like, could you imagine? Like, you're just like. <laughs> you Man, can do you, that. It, I, like, I imagine that the first person to do that is going to be super excited that they got them out, and then have no graveyard. <laughs> but you play that. You can play the cast from your graveyard with Moldrotha too. All right, Adelise, the Cinderwind, one blue red legendary creature, human wizard. 
A 2-2 Flying Haste. Uh, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, wizards you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. So this I mean, is your finisher, Phil. Yeah, I, the... Oh, wait, you have no instant or sorceries in the wizard deck. No instant or sorceries <laughs> in the deck. I mean, the yeah. first thing that, like, my mind was... This one was obviously Blue-Red Delver. But the thing is, is that all those cards don't work with Delver because Delver transforms into not a wizard. Yeah, I was just checking to see if it transforms. Not a wizard. It's, it's, a, it's a human wizard on the front, but like your goal is to transform it, and then it becomes a human insect, and it is not a wizard anymore, so all of those interactions are turned off. Like I thought, the when I, originally when they were spoiled, the Wizards Retort and Wizards Lightning, the Wizards Matters Bolt mm -hmm. and Counterspell, yeah. was going to make Delver playable in Modern, and then I when I looked at Delver, and I was like, oh yeah, it transforms into not a wizard, and then I was like, still unplayable. <laughs> yeah. So, well, it's if like Adelaide's my... does If Adelise does matter, I think it's going to need something else since all of the things that make tokens like monks and elementals yeah they're not wizards well so. so i was thinking um blue red delver uh you know not for your delvers but for your uh, storm chaser mages that may become playable and basically that's that's giving that guy and storm chaser mage uh both prowess and and yeah nate nate is correct uh pulling up the dose of perfection it does make wizard tokens it's like a larger uh, version of uh, what's called a uh, young pyromancer in that respect, but I don't know. All that, I'm uh, saying is that, but like, Adelise, you're, Adelise, you're looking to like kill really quick, like, you're yeah, not gonna yeah, have yeah. time for okay. Look, here's my thing it, my thing about those of perfection is that one day I will attack with flying for two dark confidants. So, <laughs> with Adelise, it's like, yeah, I'll attack with a three two dark confidant. I mean, you're, you could rip through your deck. I just don't think there's room for a second version of this aggro, of this kind of aggro deck in Legacy yeah. right now. Um, until, you, unless I, re I really aspire to be the optimist. Like I, I swear, I swear, I do. Despite like all of my shitting on cards, uh, you with the Dosen of Perfection attacking with four twos, and you know where my mind went. I was like, yeah, but you're gonna have to take five off of your dark confidant first. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. No, I mean, oh wait, no, we don't. I want you to live that dream, though. Like, I believe in you. <laughs> it would be great, wouldn't it? Cavern on Insect. Uh, I saw it a Blue Moon deck once in Modern, where it was like the finisher in this Blue Moon deck, where it was like there was two creatures, and it was both they were both Dose of the Perfections. <laughs> I mean, I went I went deep on Dose of Perfection when just... it came out and got four foil versions because they were like a buck a piece. Yeah. I I don't know. Well, that's not that's not the card we're talking about, but whatever. Yes. It's still a sweet card. Yeah. I okay. Think, uh, I I think the card's playable, but m you know maybe maybe as like a one of in Blue Red Delver. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I just got to say that I played a lot of Blue Red Delver recently, and I actually think that the best thing to be doing if you're planning on tapping three mana for anything is just to play Snapcaster. You just Snapcaster both them. That's yeah. pretty much the best you could hope for. If you got like a Storm Chaser Mage down or an Adelise, like you, you're not going to do more damage than that. So unfortunately, like I just think, I, and I like Snapcaster in the Blue Red Delver deck, uh, especially since I don't play Days. Um, so I don't know. Uh, Joyra, rather Joyra, Weather Light Captain, two blue red, a legendary creature, human artificer. Whenever you cast a historic spell, draw a card. Do you remember when I was talking about that uh, paradoxical outcome deck that could eventually become a thing? Yeah. We talked about this as a, as a way uh, to double up your paradoxical effects, but we're going to hit it again, just in case anyone has anything else to... Like, if, Bill, if you thought about the deck anymore. I mean, this... It, it, 
the, I think that anytime a spoiler happens, like a spoiler season happens or a new set comes out, anytime a card says whenever, it has potential for being busted. And this oh, whenever says, and draw a card is also yeah. Whenever <laughs> plus draw a card is also I oh, mean, is it is, also blue? Yeah, this I, thing okay. is super like. I think most people who have looked at this card have a- analyzed it. What I think is going to end up being right, which is either this card is a 10 or it's unplayable. I mean, I would throw this into uh, Steel City Vault as a one of and just see what happens because it's not like the worst thing in the world for me to just be like, oh, I have four mana. It seems like a four mana do nothing, but like I'm able to just go off if I have just a couple extra cards a lot of times. Just want to point out that Paradoxical Outcome is still in standard. Yeah, <laughs> true. It's very so is true. Art, and now we're they're getting Joyra, Artificer's Assistant, and Mox you're also Amber. You're getting the Mox. You're getting yeah, Mox. you're getting a Mox. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, people Joyra made that Joyra that really likes Mox too. Um, you know, someone made that uh, Jeskai Ascendancy deck work in Legacy or in, in Standard with like just green card draw. Oh, geez, if you search Weatherlight now, you get a bunch of stuff. Weatherlight four. Four generic mana. Legendary artifact vehicle. Flying. Whenever Weatherlight deals combat damage to a player, look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a historic card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. The crew cost is three, and it is a four-five. So there was that vehicle's uh, shops deck in Vintage for a while. And I, I, I just... Yeah, car shops, exactly. And so I think that this is a card that uh, might not necessarily be, like, slotted into the deck directly but like it, it seems like a card that has legs looking at the top five cards of your deck when you attack and definitely getting and almost always hitting something amazing uh i'm gonna call the flavor judge on saying that the flying boat had legs yeah. go ahead yeah <laughs> i mean yesterday i had uh i had uh uh the black blade reforged equipped to this and it was like a plus eight plus eight so it was like this <laughs> a a sword oh, so that was being ridden by by the weather light basically you own a uh, you own a weatherlight. Congratulations. Yeah. Is there any reason that you would ever play this over Smuggler's Copter if you're looking for a vehicle? Um, no. No, okay. I couldn't. I couldn't well, you imagine. Can crew this with Smuggler's Copter. Yeah. Look, I, we got to go into my uh, into my decks uh, here because I once did have this deck. The thing that I was thinking that unfortunately can, it is underplayed is uh, compared to Sky Scott, Sky Sovereign Console Flagship. Mm-hmm. Which is also a crew three vehicle, but it's a six five flyer that does damage. Now it's five mana instead of four mana. So well, I mean, people uh, are playing this in in uh, vintage, uh, just as like a five mana removal spell, which is really a two mana removal spell in that game in that uh, deck. In this horrible Duretti vehicles deck that I popped up on the screen, it was actually the best card. So I saw her, and it was yeah. so good. I wish I had more than one of them. But yeah, like. Uh, it, it's got a little competition, but that, that's also maybe a way of saying that there's some precedent for a true three vehicle to do something in Vintage. Legacy, not so much. We haven't seen any vehicles really do anything. We've seen Smuggler's Copter occasionally, but, um, you know, it's, it is the Weatherlight, and it does draw you a card when it, when it hits. Now, here's the thing. It's a 4-5. This hits. This is hitting. How many cards are you ever going to draw off of it? Two? And they before they scoop or they're just dead. Yeah, I'm trying to think like just in this own set, I, all this competition at four. Like we brought up, uh, yeah, Traxos was that the name of the thing before? Yeah, and I was like, oh, I was like, I guess after you've maxed out on Lodestone Golems and then after you've maxed out on New Karn, 
maybe you'll play a Traxos. And now that we're there, I'm like, oh, well, now we're at the Weatherlight. I'm just like, this thing just feels like it's too low on the totem pole, unless you're specifically trying to leverage this as a top end in an aggro deck. But then what, what, how many things are you drawing? That's a, it's a good point, Phil. But how many things are you ever drawing in a deck that isn't all artifacts, right? right. Well, this is historic. So, like, you can have any 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 legendary Legend permanent yeah, like or Chandra. legendary More spell, Thalias. I guess, now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I guess. Like, legendary spell now, I guess, is real. So, I guess that there's something there. But the fact that you can get uh, Planeswalkers, legendary creatures, legendary spells, any artifact, uh, legendary do legendary lands count? Yeah, right. So you can. It's a legendary, yes. Yeah, so you can potentially legendary. tutor up a land as well. Like, I think that there's there's enough things that you can fill your deck that you're not going to be too, like, starved for things that this will be able to find after it looks at the top five. Um, I just think that if you're in the single singular the, the like the colorless aggro deck, and you're not Eldrazi, okay, so we're not Eldrazi. We're a colorless aggro deck, and we just passed by a seven seven trampler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't disagree with you. That doesn't no. require that you have another creature with at least three power or multiple creatures that add up to three power. Like, this one needs to go through a lot of hoops and have a reason to not be playing the other things at its competition. So Look at this, I'm you can, kind you can, of low on Weatherlight. You can crew this with a crewed Smuggler's Copter, but if you're crewing Smuggler's Copter, you're getting card selection anyway. If you're crewing the Smuggler's Copter to crew this thing, that means that you have... One creature to crew the smuggler's copter, and then the smuggler's copter to crew the weatherlight. And I feel like if we have all of that going on, and our opponent isn't beating hasn't us, hasn't left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, our opponent hasn't given up. No, you're right. I, I agree. I think unfortunately, weatherlight's a little underpowered relative to what is available. I would very much enjoy if this card eventually saw play, but I feel like the crew cost is just like the one thing that is gonna. We'll relegate yeah, it to like, standard vehicles yeah. then. Yeah, pretty much. Well, we do have a $16 Mythic Rare that Phil wanted us to talk about. I think this is the only saga that's going to be reasonable. It's History of Let me of read Benalia. it. Let me read it. Yeah. Let me read it. Okay. History of Benalia, one white, white, enchantment saga. Uh, so you, you add a counter every turn, and then you sacrifice it when you do the third thing. One and two both create a 2-2 two, two white knight creature with token with vigilance. Uh, the third thing is knights you control get plus two, plus one until end of turn. So this thing, I think, is really powerful because... In the decks that want to be attacking, it's a three-mana thing that's going to generate... It's Well, one, it's a three-mana permanent that's tough to interact with, okay? So three-mana enchantments. It's not like you... you. The only thing that deals with it directly that I can think of that plays main deck... That is main decked in Legacy is Abrupt Decay. Sometimes you'll see in pile decks, like, they're playing Kolagon's Command, which means that artifacts just get incidentally hated a little bit more. That's not the case of enchantments. So this thing, for three-mana, is going to net you two cards... And then it's also going to then pump your team, assuming that if you have any other knights alongside your the two two tokens that it's making. But historically, we've now seen that uh, Gideon ally of Zendikar is playable, and I get that it's Gideon, and I get that it's a planeswalker, and it can also attack for five. But primarily, what Gideon would do is just pump out two twos. This thing pumps out a two two, pumps out a two two, and then bashes your opponent for eight. And two twos are not like irrelevant in legacy two twos are fairly large uh and the fact that it will then pump all of your team and the like the investment happens the turn you play it and then you get the second night for free and then you pump your team so you're getting two two different bodies on two different cards so this thing alone is a divination that affects the board then it also can kill your opponent but then you can also just leverage the fact that you have tokens like 
we pass by all of these sack things that sack the card. And then this isn't even to say that if you play this in something like DNT, that you can like flicker wisp the history of Benalia to keep pumping out tutus. I'm just saying, I don't know if this card will see play. If there is a saga, it will definitely be this one. And I wouldn't be surprised if at a store near you, this is a card that actually beats you down. Right. Uh, I don't know. This is the kind of card I would be interested in playing. Like I like Lingering Souls, and I play Lingering Souls a lot. This is sort of the same thing. You're investing a card, and you're getting some sort of like long-term grindy value. The thing that it pumps your knights, if it lives that long, or your knights live that long. So you're talking about attacking with these two twos on turn, uh, so three, then four, five. I mean, I just don't see, I, unfortunately, I just can't think of a deck that would want to play this. And I can think of a deck that wants to play a lot of white cards that pump out creatures, but, you know. Um, well, like, I mean, I shouldn't say that. Is she a Cathar or something? She's a soldier. 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 I, I, I called up all the knights. There's, there's a quarter paladin. Now that would battle cry on top of this uh, thing. I'm pretty sure Mirren Crusader's a knight. Yeah. Mirren Crusader might be a knight. Uh, um, but you can just play more Mirren Crusaders. It is a human knight. Is there a knight deck? Is there a knight stompy deck yet? I think there's just soldier stomp because you're priced into playing Thalia. I'm, I'm just saying, I'm not like saying ipso facto this card is definitely going to see play. I'm saying that it is powerful enough that if it does see play, don't be surprised. I agree with you. I, I I think that it's a it's a three mana thing that you know in a format with with Deathrite Shaman and uh, Noble Hierarch. For the most part, it's going to be a three mana thing that at least nets you two cards, and then also applies immense pressure on a predictable turn. But it also does. It's not like it's a three mana do nothing. It is a three mana that does produce a two two. So that is low for the for the table. But I think if you can. <laughs> If you if you can leverage the fact that it pumps all of your knights by plus two plus one, and it will do that for free the turn that it does that. So yeah. Well, I mean, you're, you're, it's funny you joked around. You joked like it's a it's not doesn't do nothing when it comes into play, and a lot of the sagas actually do <laughs> do nothing. Yeah. No, uh, I mean, it, it's it, I'm saying that it's a it, you're investing three mana, and it's not like you're getting. It's not like you have to hope to untap to get something. You know, yeah. we already play shardless agent, which sometimes will whiff, and that is a two two for three that is playable. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is one of those, you know, the, the, what's the, it's death right into good cards, chalice into bad cards. This is a pretty, this is a good, this is a good chalice card, you know. They're not doing anything, just make some dudes, attack for two, attack for eight, <laughs> you know. Uh, sacrifice, well, you could sacrifice a bunch of stuff and make them ten. Yeah, never mind, that's not going to work. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought it up. I think we should have talked about a saga. The only way I could think of was the Flame of Keld for Dread, which I mentioned last time. I didn't want to revisit that, um, but unfortunately, a lot of them are just. I think Mirari's the, the conjecture is the Mirari conjecture is broken, but just not in this format. <laughs> there's one. There's one more card that's not on our list. I just want to keep people keep people's awareness of it up, which is Precognition Field. Don't yeah. don't sleep on that card. I did think about mentioning that again. We talked about what would you cost looking at the top of your library at, right? Um, what what would you think that would actually be cost if that was the only thing it did? Um, yeah. And so. now, and then, how much would you cost it out if you could cast the top card of your library? Right. Which and I think we ended up at three and a blue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this this is the, the precognition field is the type of thing where it will either never see play or it will be in a combo deck. Right. And it will um, be very good. Or it might just be a sudden miracle. 
Yeah, we're running. Uh, we're running. We're running a lot. I do want to talk about Squee, but I do want to say on March 11th, episode 71, we talked about Squee, Damping Spear, Karn, Mox Amber, and Teferi. Um, did you guys want to add anything on any of those cards besides Squee? Because I've got a Squee story already. Yeah, um, you got a Squee story. I'm just going to say for everybody out there who's still sleeping on Mox Amber, stop. Just wake up. I actually <laughs> came around on Mox Amber. I've decided that it's... it's uh, Super broken in Modern Storm. Because of Baral. Yeah. yeah. It, it, so here's 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 my quick argument for that is that um when you when you have Mox Ambers in your hand and you can't play them and you're going off in Storm, if you get to a point where you get a Baral on your hand as well and you cast the Baral, you're actually getting the mana back for the Baral because he's making things cost one less, and uh, the Mox Amber is free and adds a Storm count. So it nets you that two mana back anyhow. So you've basically gained the two storm off of that. And then you can keep going off. It is unfortunate you can't make red with it for that deck, though. Yeah. I mean, I mean, not not the end of the world. It, it, you basically just want mana for what these it, things. What it does do is it lets you just go turn two Baral, play the mocks, go, remand your thing, loot, untap, kill you. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's, also, that's, a good, that's a good line. I want to also point out that if you are playing standard, the 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 next major standard tournament that happens, you need to be prepared for when your opponent goes play just plays mono red and goes turn one the two two pirate showing Kari Zev go, untap play the Kari Zev play the Mox Amber shoot down the thing that you played on your turn, attack you, untap play. Hazaret and you're dead. You are dead. <laughs> well, the sequence of cards that I just said, which would be a four of in all of in 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 the red deck, those are cards that the red deck would actively want to play. It, you will be dead. Yeah. So if you're not ready for Mox Amber Red, you heard it here first. Uh, it's a Mox. It's and what we just you know more free stuff is always bad or good. Like I, I never forget what I want to say. It. All right. So what's my squeeze story? I was two and two in a league streaming with Rug Delver last night, I think. Last night, yeah, definitely last night when we we're recording. And I played. I was in my fifth round. I was two and two. I was like, oh, you know, the player is EW Landon. I don't know if, if there's a lot of MTGO grinders uh, out there, but he is generally known for playing Black Red Reanimator. And I was like, well, now I'm gonna have to try and not die to Black Red Reanimator to just uh, get my money back from this league. So uh, he, I think he mulliganed. I kept a hand with Force, Days, and Delver, and a couple lands. It wasn't great, but I had two counter spells, and I think I was on the play, so I was like, I pretty much have to do this, right? Uh, he played a Verdant Catacombs and passed. Oh, I had to. I held my Delver so I could have it for four. So I had Force and Days going first. I held my Delver. He played a Verdant Catacombs. At this point, I'm still thinking he's on uh, Black Red Reanimator and started out with uh, just kind of a slow start. Um. The upshot was eventually he uh, abrupt decayed my Delver and then untapped and played Food Chain off of Basic Swamp, Basic Forest, and Badlands. I said, oh, this is definitely car or, uh, Squee Food Chain. That's, what, that's what's going on here. Mm -hmm. He's got Red and he's got Food Chain and it's like a Jund Food Chain deck. The next, I countered the Food Chain because false cure test. Um... And uh, then, but I kept drawing lands and more counterspells did nothing. 
um, because they were like days that he kept hitting land drops. I had a really bad draw, which was which ended up being good. My my draw was bad, but it meant that we got to see him then next turn Imperial Recruiter for Squee. Uh, then chain a couple Imperial Recruiters, then finally draw another food chain. And so he has food chain and squee, and I've got nothing that can interact with this. Um, I think I drew like three or four lands in a row, actually. <laughs> that was pretty funny. I've got two lands in my hand, five in play. And uh, he's got squee, and I'm like, he puts the food chain, second food chain on the stack, and I just say to my, to my people who are watching, we're going we're gonna to F6, and we're going to see what he does. So he removes Squee a few times, makes a bunch of red. At one point, he removes Squee and makes green. And I said, I wonder if that was a misclick. I wonder what we're just like. Oh, I wonder what he has. I wonder what he has. And we were basically like Imperial Recruiter into Walking Ballista. So he stops, not af- not after a lot of time. Like Food Chain can take a lot of time, especially to make a 40-40 Walking Ballista, um, so that you can win immediately. Um, and then he cracks a fetch. So he stops, he cracks a fetch, and then he casts a panglacial worm. Then he casts a second panglacial worm. <laughs> <laughs> um, then the fetch resolved, <laughs> and uh, he passed the turn with 18 power worth of panglacial worms, a squee, and three imperial recruiters. Uh, I drew a delver and conceded. So that was what happened. A couple other things to, to note in this deck. At one point, he, reanim- he attempted to cast a spell Reanimate. He also hymned me. Uh, and he cast Entomb. So I just wanted to m- talk about this deck for a second. I, I pulled a version. I-, I tried to reverse engineer it, and I popped it up on our shared screen here with all the stuff that I saw plus like what I sort of filled in with. But I, I food Squee as like a food chain combo card. But then I realized that just as a card, there's no risk. You can entomb Squee on turn one. What are they going to do? Exile it with Deathrite Shaman? That's not going to do anything. This thing is perfectly safe in every zone. And I don't think I would sleep on that. The food chain combo is there for you. We talked about potential Aluren combos. Mm-hmm. But this thing is totally... You can entomb for Squee, and you just have, now you, you just have Squee. And if you've got a deck built around that synergy, there's nothing they can really do except for like meddling mage it. Right? Like, you got a metally mage it. And you've already, if you're playing in Tomb, you can play Faithless Looting, which helps you dig. That's on color. And also dump Squee in the graveyard. Imperial Recruiter, I thought was really nice. I thought that was a really cool, uh, really cool thing to find that gets you Squee. I mean, what do you guys think? I, I, I'm, I'm a believer now in Squee as some sort of legacy card just because of its interaction with Entomb. Um, people have. You know, I've joked around with people about like, well, one day we're gonna all entomb Narcomoeba and, and we're gonna get our free one-one, and that's gonna do something busted. But like, I don't know. This is a, this is a thing that you can just kind of store anywhere, and it's there for you anytime you need it. You need to cast a creature to block with. There's Squee. You need to sacrifice it to Cabal Therapy. There's Squee. They swords it. Who cares? Yeah, that's- I mean, I think it's 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 interesting to say the least. I wouldn't like I wouldn't jam this deck at a at a at a tournament, but it, it looks it looks fun and it it does it does something stupid, you know, <laughs> like getting out free panglacial worms is hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I can't assume I can assume he didn't have more than two panglacial worms in his deck because he could have just made infinite mana to cast them. Yeah. Now, granted, I was gonna scoop to probably one panglacial worm but like you know that's a that's an interesting interaction too just like 
okay. You know, while you're searching your library, um, you've got a bunch of fetch lands to get your your three mana your three color mana base online. You've got Entomb, and you've got Imperial Recruiter. So, I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Phil, Phil's Phil's being quiet, which is interesting. You know how I feel about food chain. <laughs> well, I think you oh, you underrate food chain. This is not this is a different kind of deck, and I I mean I think you can. Uh, I, I also just don't think Squee is dead in other because of that. Like just yeah, like, no, like I mean, really, seeing, he's seeing literally immortal. Yeah, seeing his application yeah. is is pretty interesting. Um, yeah. Well, what what were the other cards that we were looking at now? That we already looked at before. Yeah, yeah. So we got that. What uh, Teferi, which we kind of which we kind of covered pretty well, I think. Um, uh, basically just spear. We, we, I think we just think it's going to be the same thing it's always going to be. Yeah. Though I did see some people discussing whether or not that could be a sideboard card for Delver decks <laughs> uh, if, against Storm, which I don't know how many Delver decks need it. Rug specifically was the, con- the context here. Yeah, I mean, all those, you know, it's it's like Winter Orb. It's like a hate card that's just fine, but like, you know, it's it's just another it's it's another tool in the in that toolbox of hate cards that you can pull up that like. If it hates on more than one thing, you're like, okay, well, that's better. That's not like strictly better than this, but it's fine. And I'm really still amped on Karn. I'm, I'm, I'm amped on trying Legacy Affinity now. I think Karn is sweet. Uh, how much is the, how much is the Karn going for? You think? I think already? they're, they're up to forty now. And I feel like they're not going to be anything less than fifty to sixty going forward because they will be the truth. Yeah. Yeah, this is a great card. I, I, uh, I was. You know, it's it's gonna be in standard with uh, Heart of Kieran. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's something to think about. Like, it's gonna Heart of Kieran, I think, is a two to. Uh, yeah, so like I, one, look I look forward oh, no, to you guys. Free to crew. I look forward to your guys's Heart of Kieran plus Karn deck while I mox Amber redding you out of the room. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, I was gonna play that in Legacy. So well, my yeah. <laughs> My, oh, uh, Heart of Shadows on Zero, your box. Heart of <laughs> Kirin plus Karn and Legacy. I mean, yeah, now like, yeah. Turn one, Ancient Tomb, cast Heart of Kirin, go. Turn two, play Karn, hit you for four, and I have a Walker who just also got me a card. Yeah, yeah, that seems fine. I mean, I'll be in standard. I'm going to be casting Approach of the Second Sun off of uh, Mirari's Conjecture, uh, doubling it. Yeah. Yo, I actually <laughs> am kind of afraid of Heart of Kirin into Karn and Legacy now. <laughs> Well, because what do you have if you get that? You have you have a, a vigilant attacker. You're at card equity, and your planeswalkers at at five loyalty. And well, you and also have a four four blocker. Yeah, yeah and four you four have blocker. A blocker. Yeah, yeah. yeah, with with flying, like so nice, Delver. Um, no, I mean I don't know. I think it's it's a it's there's a lot of boosts here for the ancient tomb, uh, ancient tomb type strategies. Maybe we can see some uh, some some more of them. Oh yay! <laughs> you guys, I love Ancient Tomb. I have three City of Traders too, so I only need one more uh, zillion dollar City of Traders. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess uh, what do we? That, that's pretty much everything, right? That's all the stuff that we found. That was that was that's worth everything. mentioning. So yeah, it's, it's coming to a legacy. It's late here area. on Sunday night, so I'm gonna I, I'm gonna have to turn in soon. I'm gonna edit this casting and go to sleep but uh yeah i i mean there's some there's some interesting stuff in dominaria at least 
stuff that breaks the constant habits of play that we're seeing. So it'll be cool to see what happens. Yep. All right. Good night, everybody. Have a good one, guys. Night, guys. Stop, stop, animal stuff. Can you see animal stuff? It's our good. Keeping up with the Joneses. Stop, stop, animal stuff. Can you see animal stuff? It's our good. Keeping up with the Joneses. Keeping up with the Joneses. Keeping up with the Joneses. All right. Where does he get those wonderful toys? Eternal Dirtles is supported by Audible.com. If you'd like a free audiobook and start up a trial with Audible, you can go to audibletrial.com slash eternaldirtles, and they'll hook you up with a free book, and you'll be supporting the show. Thanks so much.